Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of How to Watch a Movie as a Christian. My name is Riley. I'm PJ. And I'm Ben. How to Watch Rings of Power as a Christian. Now, we saw Rings of Power when? Last night. We, we saw it last night. Mm-hmm. Okay, so premiere. We saw at the premiere, we got free tickets. Free tickets, via courtesy Daddy Bezos. Daddy Bezos via Amazon Reddit. That's right. Which is so funny. It was a theater packed full of nerds and lore archivists and token yeah. purists. Yeah. And, and then us. Now, Rings of Power, if you weren't aware, is the new show by Amazon Prime Video, and it takes place in the second age of Middle Earth, and it tells the story of... The forging of the rings of power, the downfall of Numenor, the rise of Sauron, and the last alliance in, of men and elves against the, you know. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, it's the intro part. Yeah. You know, that first part. The, the world has changed. Mm-hmm. I feel it in the earth. I feel it in the water. I smell it in the air. Yeah. That, that Chills. Yeah. That yeah. part. This whole show is about just that prologue. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Pretty exciting. I mean, where do, where do you guys come from when it comes to Lord of the Rings, Tolkien? How much of a fan of Middle Earth are you? Uh, the three Peter Jackson films are probably my all-time favorite ever. Movies? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. At least top five. So good. I love them. As a kid, the only books I ever wanted to read were the Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit which is technically not Lord of the Rings. But I was, when I first found out about this show, I was so excited. And then as it got closer, I started getting really nervous because I am such a fan. I just didn't want it to be tarnished in any way. And there's a lot of creative liberty going on because it is kind of, they're, they're, they're creating characters off of a broad idea, you know? So that- because yeah, the, the, the actual plot of the show is not based on any novels that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, but based on the, well, let me get them. I brought, you know, material. So the last, here's Return (laughs) of the King. So the the plot of Rings of Power is not based on this novel, it's based on the the appendices, Mm -hmm. the final section. That's a cool cover. I know, I got it in England. It's pretty awesome. That's sweet. So I reread the appendices to get ready for the premiere last night. Mm-hmm. So, but the characters of the appendices are not fleshed out. Right. And they wrote all, like, basically half the characters are all new characters mm-hmm. made up mm-hmm. by the show creators. Yeah. So I was nervous because yeah. I knew going into it that would be the case. And the characters of Lord of the Rings are just so in-depth because the way Tolkien writes is just such a slow burn of depth and just character and world building i thought how the heck they're iconic right like yeah that's nice Asha, my tomatoes (laughs) you don't get more iconic than that that's true you really don't so can they can you make up a character that talks like that that says if i take one more step it'll be the farthest away from home i've ever been i've ever been (laughs) right your turn i've ever been that's good i've ever so I'm walking into these, uh, definitely a fan, grew up with the movies, of course. Um, I think, mom and dad, tell me if I'm wrong, you read them 
to us as kids. Uh, me and my wife have been reading The Hobbit. Your parents so, read them to you and your wife as kids. <laughs> my parents read them to me, to me, and now me and my wife are reading The Hobbit. So I'm familiar, but not nearly as familiar as you guys are, especially you. Um, so I you know, didn't know what to expect at all. I, I thought it looked cool. I thought it was going to be, honestly, I thought it was going to be trash because it's just... You can't really touch the Lord of the Rings, but um, then I hear about the show coming out, and it, I don't know, it seemed a little bit of a money grab, and so I was kind of cautious and you're, about it. And you're, you're, <laughs> it's Amazon making it, mm-hmm. so you're worried about them just tossing money at something and it just ending up being some like well-polished turd. Yeah, and I didn't know, I don't know the time frame, so watching the previews, I just was generally confused. I don't know who's what. And uh, so I'm walking into it pretty, pretty green um, in comparison. So you're watching it just as a show. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're watching it. You're watching it as a fan of the movies, fan of the books. And I'm watching it as someone who's read Silmarillion, mm-hmm. Unfinished Tales. I know the broad strokes of the story. Yeah. And I'm nervous because it's like, I don't know if they're you know, following it if they're going to take liberties on it mm-hmm. and they're going to make characters, you know, be completely different than what they are yeah. in the story. So, yeah. So I don't have these emotional attachments or, um, even, yeah, the, the know-how to who these characters are. So watching it, it's all like, okay, this is who these people are. I'm not, I don't have a bar to line it up to. So my perspective on that is going to be much different being, this is my first intro to these people. I've not read right. about them. Yeah. And, and so, okay, so for us, we all work at a church. We're all ministers at a church. And we all love stories. Movies? Absolutely. Like, how would you rate movies on a scale of 1 to 10? 10. <laughs> yeah, 10. 10. 10. Love movies. We make movies. We make videos. We love art. We love comedy. We love music we love we're shooting music videos you know right so that's where we're coming from lovers of story Mm -hmm. uh, lovers of movies and as christians followers of jesus and so we want to we want to know how should followers of jesus watch rings of power and so uh to do that we want to we want to ask a couple questions and the first one is this in rings of power whose story is being told Whose story is being told? That's the first question. So, yeah. out of the thirty characters, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, the the primary story being told was Galadriel's. Galadriel. Yeah. Now, what that about was my Galadriel? Take. Who Just, is Galadriel? So, Galadriel is the uh, you would know better as far as her upbringing. She's and, that uh, blonde lady, right? The blonde lady from okay. Saint Maud. Gotcha. No, she's um, in the Peter Jackson movies. She was played by Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. She's, she's an the one elf. It's all intense when Frodo shows her the in ring. place of a dark lord. You yeah, should have she a was, queen. She was super scary. <laughs> she does that thing. So uh, here she's played by Morfid. It's a Welsh name. Yeah, Morfid. I couldn't pronounce it. Morfid Clark. It's a really cool and name. And so it takes place two thousand years, three thousand years, three yeah before. The ring, you know, the Frodo and the ring. So um, Galadriel is one of the high elves. She was born in Valinor. She's one of the Noldor, which is kind of the, the light elves. They call them the light elves. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
she has migrated from Valinor, the land of the gods, to Middle-earth. And she's lost all of her brothers. Uh, in, the, in the show, they talk about Finrod, her brother, Finrod Felagund, who was uh, killed by Morgoth or by Sauron. But um, in the book, she's actually lost two other brothers as well. Yeah. So she's kind of this like grief-stricken character mm-hmm. who's like on a quest. Yeah, she's on a hunt to eradicate evil itself, right. which is awesome. I love that aspect of it. So the, the show actually follows her. It really, yeah. she's the main character. It totally. Seems. That's, at least in my perspective, that's what I got from it. Yeah, and there's a few other people that are in there, equal parts, yeah. story being told. Can you, who are they? Well, there's Elrond, half-elven. He is younger than Galadriel. He was born in Middle-earth, so he hasn't seen the gods. He's half-elven? He's half-elven. Um, what else is he? Well, the story of Elrond and his brother Elros is a really interesting story. So they were born long and long ago, um, and they were given a choice by the gods to choose to, be, to continue in immortality as an elf or to choose mortality, like the life of men who die. Elros, his brother, chose mortality. He chose to die. Elrond did not. And so Elros, um, as a gift of the gods, he was given the ability to live a long life, even though he would eventually die. And it's his lineage, the lineage of Elros, that leads to the Numenorians, the Dúnedain, Isildur and Elendil, and then later in the movies, if you remember, Aragorn. So Aragorn is a distant nephew, very distant nephew of Elrond. So Elrond's one of the main characters. Then you have Prince Durin, who's a dwarven prince in Khazad-dûm. You have Bronwyn and Arondir, who live in the Southlands. You have... Who are those people? Well, Bronwyn is a girl, a woman, a a human, a human girl. (laughs) (laughs) And Arondir is an elven, what would you call him? Like Like a policeman? Oh, oh, that storyline with the... Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Remember this? Yeah. And what then was he? What, what's his title? Is he's like a cop. Well, they called him a uh, soldier, so there was like him and his elven army yeah, friends were watchmen. watching over yeah. the place because they're in war. Right. Right? Yes. Okay, so the story takes place after the close of the First Age, which ended with the battle of or the war of wrath which mm-hmm. lasted centuries but the people of middle earth defeated morgoth and the gods banished him to the void he's chained up in the gloom uh, meanwhile his chief lieutenant sauron escaped yeah and they don't know where he went they think he might have been defeated mm-hmm. okay so, hold up okay yeah. lord of the rings brain here morgoth new name yeah. Okay. Who's that? That's big right. baddie. I don't know him. He's the original big baddie. He's the original big baddie. This is the guy that's putting that fiery pitchfork logo everywhere. No, that's no, Sauron. That's Sauron. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Rewind. <laughs> okay. Rewind. I'm a little confused. Okay. So, here's the thing. This is the thing about Middle Earth. Um, Middle Earth is very religious and theological. Uh, there's a whole. S- pantheon of gods Mm -hmm. there's the one true god the creator god iru who in ainur is called iluvatar right (laughs) okay (laughs) okay he creates 
the gods by singing them into existence. So cool. They join in his song and they begin to sing together. But one of the gods, at that time he's called Melkor, Melkor starts to sing his own tune. Mm-hmm. And he sows division among the, the song until Iru Iluvatar is fed up with it and he says, stop, cut. Well, probably just sounds bad. It sounds horrible. Yucky. Yeah, exactly. And so um, he says, stop, stop the singing. Let me show you what you've been singing about. And he gives them a vision of their song. And the song, the vision of the song is Middle Earth. Okay. So creation is a result of a song okay. among the gods. What book is this in? This is in the Silmarillion, chapter okay. one. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So, so Morgoth is the guy that's saying Melkor comes to be oh. known as Morgoth. Oh. Same guy. Everyone has like five names, mm-hmm. right? Is there um, different languages or some? Is there a reason for it? Well, there's different. Is that a big question? Yeah, there's different tongues. There's okay. different languages, nicknames. Okay men's language, dwarven language, elven language, then there's all these nicknames. And you have to like, while you're reading it, you're like, okay, who's this person? And you go, you know, you have your finger over here. Yeah, here we go. Barahir, father of Baron. Oh yeah, Baragund, father of Morwen. Oh, that's right. So you're kind of constantly finger in the glossary, constantly Mm -hmm. rereading. Okay, but in the show we got Morgoth. Morgoth was defeated and his lieutenant is Sauron. Sauron is still at large. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, he's the big bad. He becomes the big bad. Gotcha. Yeah. And, sh- and he's the one that Galadriel is hunting. Mm-hmm. Hunting. That's right. Okay. Because he personally killed her brother. Finrod Felagund. Mm-hmm. And so she's um, seeking revenge to kill him. But it seems like... Well, in- she's part of the elven... Uh, armies trying to finally, once and for all, wipe out evil. Sure, but in this she's part, a, aren't, right, she's like a they're like, evil's gone. You're the only one looking. Yeah. So she she just knows, she's got a feeling in her heart that he's still alive. So how much time has passed here? Why does everyone else think that he's gone and she thinks that he's still around? Because he's inactive. And there's just peace. It is a peaceful time. Yeah. There's the remnants of evil with orcs and things like that. But ultimately, Sauron's gone. He's not here. He, he's probably dead okay. or just, I don't know. And you, you know, on that, the show does a really cool job of bringing out a lot of drama because of that. So mm-hmm. the Southlands, which is the land of Mordor, pre-Mordor. Yeah. Right? So the Southlands were under the domain of Morgoth in the War of Wrath, mm-hmm. right? So these people, which are, they're all men, uh, men and women, they are under patrol by the elves to see if they are still evil. Yeah. But uh, they're trying to say, no, we're not evil anymore. We're gotcha. not That's part of the storyline of the elf patrol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Policeman and, guy. Yeah. And that woman. Yeah. And her and son. That woman. Remember, she's like, no, we're good people. And he's like, are you though? Or are you always going to be evil? Gotcha. So that... Storyline makes sense. Then we got these Hobbit-ish characters. The Harfoots. Right? Yes, the Harfoots. So I got the big picture, Morgoth, bad guy, Galadriel, check. And then it kind of drops us into um, these two uh, men walking through a field. And, um, and hunters. they're like, hunters. hunters. And you're like, you got to watch out. There's these, um, what are they called? 
uh, Harfoots. Harfoots, and they're dangerous. And then it kind of shows them peeking around. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, it's a story about a little girl. So, so how does she fit into this so far? Nori Brandyfoot and her friend Poppy Proudfellow. And they are... <laughs> why do I know these names? I don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> I've been studying them too much. I already forgot, so... I should be studying for my sermon, but... um, No, they... uh, So the Harfoots were talked about by Tolkien as distant ancestors of the Hobbits. Mm. So before the Hobbits settled in the Shire, their their ancestors were Harfoots. And he describes them as nomadic, um, kind of more earth dwellers. Because they got everything the Hobbits got. They got the beautiful food. uh, The big feet. Big feet, big hairy feet, merry making, except their tents and places are like collapsible and they hide. Yeah. So they're not in the... Yeah, they seem way more paranoid than hobbits. Yeah, they're fearful. Yeah. Whereas hobbits, oh, by the time of the Shire, the hobbits are more... Uh, uh, what, do you, what would you call it? Like a, More associated. Isolated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're like, we're just going to do our thing. Yeah. Right. Okay, but in the same way... Um, I'm sure you know her name, um, mom character. Oh, I don't know her name. Okay, the mom. was like mom of we Nori. Stay here. Oh yeah, this is what we do. There's peace. We're safe. This is how We're we stay safe. safe. We avoid the big folk. They say. Mm-hmm. But then, but then there's a uh, so this is the story, and we're answering the question: How does whose story is being told? Mm-hmm. So uh, the meteor comes and crashes, and it's some mysterious man um, at the core of the meteor who Nori uh, Brandyfoot discovers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the big mysteries and one of the huge controversies among Tolkien fans. Oh, what's the controversy? As far as timeline is concerned, right? Yeah. All right, clue me in. Okay, so the big meteor comes down, crashes where the Harfoots dwell. Nori sees it. She goes to check it out. Her friend is behind. She's having like identity crisis right now too. She's finding, she's like kind of meaningless. Yeah, she, so I think she, she's feeling she's like this eeriness to, yeah. in the air and she's like questioning reality, I think. And she's asking all the elders or unelder Harfoot. Sadok Burroughs, his name is. Sadok Burroughs. He's That's, also an astrologist. He follows the stars. Yeah, because he has this big book. He's, you this know, peeling through. That was a cool scene. Uh, anyway, so she's questioning, obviously, and then this big comet comes, crashes into the ground. She's like, okay, this obviously has some significance. Right. Why did this crash here, and why am I the only one who saw it? Obviously, it's her I'm, destiny yeah, kind of I'm a, this is supposed to happen to me, little Nori. Which is so counter her race, right? Totally. Right, her race is like, we'll stay out of it. Yeah. That's the big focus problem, but she's like, no, I want to be... She she breaks into the garden, steals the berries or whatever. So she, we're kind big of understanding that she's... Um, she's, she's a little... A wanderer. Yeah. yeah. She's kind of different. Okay, yeah. so then so Meteor then hits. Meteor hits within that crater it creates that is just currently on fire, and within the fire is this semi-nude, old-looking man. Thankfully not fully nude. Thankfully not. He's got a little cloth. It's TV-14. Family-friendly. Um, who, who they refer to in the credits, at least, as the stranger. The stranger. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Okay, yeah. So the controversy is, who's this guy? Okay. Who's this character Lord of the Rings brain up? here? Yeah. Gandalf. Well, 
that's the main theory. Yeah, because he looked like Ian McKellen even, especially when it was like the glowing fire. I thought, is that like a deep fake of Ian McKellen's face? Okay, well, for me, it was... Okay, so we got a he's talking big, to the fireflies. Big guy who's friends with hobbits. Yeah. And then yeah, he's so And yeah, that's Gandalfy. I don't know if that's yeah. wizardy, but that's Gandalfy to me. So here's the thing. All right. In Middle Earth lore, Gandalf does not come to Middle Earth. Oh, rewind, right? Rewind. Who's Gandalf? He in what Middle is Earth. Gandalf? What is Gandalf? That's right. Well, he's a wizard. No, he, he is one of the Maiar. I think he's a wizard. So in the theology of Middle Earth, there's the Valar. Those are the gods. Above them is Iru Iluvatar, the one creator god. And below them is the Maiar, which are like demigods. Think of like a Greek, Greek pantheon, but, but it's monotheistic. It's got one creator, right? Mm-hmm. And they're sort of, the Maiar are sort of ranked by color. Right. Well, the no. So the well, sort of. Well, so the Maiar are this de- race, uh, this l- line of demigods. Gandalf is one of them, mm-hmm. and his color is gray. His well, he becomes Gandalf yeah. the Gray when he is sent into Middle Earth, okay. and the re- the the reason why is because the Valar sense the rising threat of Sauron, mm-hmm. and so they recruit Maiar to incarnate mm. into Middle Earth to help elves and men fight yeah. Sauron. So Gandalf is one of those. So technically he's a god, but he's disguised as an old man. The men start to call him a wizard or Gandalf, and the elves name him Mithrandir, which means silver one, I think. Think of Mithril, okay. which looks like silver. Mm. Mithrandir means silver one. Um, the writers of Rohan call him Stormcrow. Yeah. Um, but his real name is, I think, Orolwyn. That's okay, his, so he that's his hits, deity name. and he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on because in Unfinished Tales, Tolkien talks about how when the, the Maiar are incarnated, and this, this group of wizards, um, there's five of them, two blues, gray, white, and a brown, Radagast, Saruman, Gandalf, and then we don't know the names of the two blues. But anyways, when they come to Middle-earth, they're called the Ishtari. That's what they're called. But he talks about how when they are incarnated, they lose their deity. Mm. They lose their... Forever. Not, well, in their bodies, right? They, they lose the divine privilege. Hmm. They become forgetful. They, they ha- basically are like children. They're like Neo waking up in the Matrix. Okay. He's like, where am I? What's this body? Yeah. You know? hmm. That's a process of incarnation is that they lose their memory. Okay. Okay. So... The controversy then is why would a wizard be in the second age? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, is that bad? Well, well according to Tolkien, they don't come until the third. That's right. The, okay. The Valar so, send the wizards in around the time, like around the time of, well, shoot, that's actually a good question. When does he send them in? And here's the thing. The show. Well, can you tell me just a little bit about the different ages and times? Like what's, so, um, you're saying he sends him in on a certain time in the books, but why is it so crazy that he would send him in before? Ask your average Tolkien purist. It doesn't say he does. That's why. Okay. And I think it does say that Gandalf was sent in the third age. Hmm. But that's the thing. Is like It's a TV show. Um, 
The first age is creation to war of wrath. The second age is war of wrath to, uh, to um, last alliance of men and elves. The four, third age is last alliance of men and elves to the destruction of the ring. And the fourth age is what we're currently in now. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, okay. So the controversy is here's Amazon uh, making up story mm-hmm. and adding character and uh, condensing the timeline. But, so it's, uh, people don't like that because you're not just adding characters, you're adding Gandalf. You can't just. Well, that's a theory. We don't know in. who the stranger is okay. yet. We're all, we've only seen, we've two, only episodes. seen two episodes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. There's just a wizard esque guy with a gray beard that speaks to animals. Gandalf like. Yeah. Very yeah. Gandalf like. Yeah. Well, so here's the question Whose story is being told? That's the plot with a brief thing about. Did the, we miss any uh, different storylines? Uh, no, there's more to come. Well, no, okay. there's Halbrand. Oh, yeah. By the way, I feel this like is how spoilers. Many, how many are there? Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. There will be, yeah. obviously. We've already probably spoiled a lot. Galad- yeah, for sure. Galadriel, um, Galadriel talking to Elrond, talking to Gilgalad, who's the king of the High Elves. Mm-hmm. Gilgalad basically disbands Galadriel's uh, troops yeah. and says, stand down. You've accomplished your goal. Evil is vanquished. This is a time of peace. I'm granting you permission to sail to the land of the gods Mm -hmm. to live forever in paradise. And she says, yes, but then on the boat, right before the opening of heaven, which is like, oh my gosh, that that was amazing. That was crazy. I was like, yeah. Because I've, you know, reading these books, you wonder, Mm -hmm. what is that like? But honestly, I remember reading about this, and that is pretty much what I pictured. Yeah, totally. And so they, I think they I was worried that it. it would just be like some deity on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was this, uh, this boat coming in. They're all like really ready, you know, trooped up. And then a huge wall of cloud, mm-hmm. kind of a dark side and a light side. And they parted. They parted. And during this scene, uh, Galadriel's on a boat along with the rest of her troops. And there's this like ritual going on. Yeah. Where there are this these dismantling like, of armor. Yeah. And there garb. are these women clothed in white robes. Yeah. And like veils are, even. Yeah. With veils who are disrobing and taking off the armor of and, all the troops. And their weapons too. Yeah. And, and they're, they're laying down them. their weapons. So it feels very religious, mm-hmm. almost like, you know, like, medieval religion like yeah. almost like medieval catholicism kind of mm-hmm. like a ritual of laying down your arms yeah i just thought here's the thing middle earth's magic is fundamentally theological mm-hmm. whereas like harry potter it's like what some people have it some people don't it's like electricity and then other systems like a stormlight archive it's what like a upside down realm or something it all comes out of that shadow realm so all these different fantasy stories have their magic systems Mm -hmm. well lord of the rings is different because it's theological it's anchored in deities and tolkien talks about this in uh, in the silmarillion in the intro of it he explains why he did it that way and he says in the intro here it's a letter to his uh editor he says that he did this he wrote it uh with a a pantheon of gods because he wanted it to be parallel to reality Mm -hmm. 
He wanted it to evoke our own feelings of how we relate to the one true God. Because Tolkien was a Christian. And he, he wanted it to be a fantasy story that felt as real as your relationship to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. So that scene where they're like, it's a ritual of taking off their armor, it felt very like right on. Mm-hmm. Like it feels religious is what I'm saying. What's the... Uh what is it? What is it uh, revealing for our time? Them going to Valinor. It it You're reveals saying it's like an, it going and dying, or what? I think that it's like in a fantasy story, you have the elves uh, who were worshippers of Iru Iluvatar, like on Numenor, which is of course ruled by men. But you'll see this: there's a temple to the gods or to the one God. So there's worship of the one God in Middle Earth. They don't get into that in Lord of the Rings, but that's part of the story. Mm. So it felt very true to the like uh, theological grounding. You're watching people honor their deities, which feels so human to me. Yeah. And it felt yeah. very Tolkien-ish to me. Yeah, it did. So anyways, in, that, in the middle of that, uh, Galadriel says no, and she jumps off the boat. Yeah. And she gets in, she swims back to Middle Earth. <laughs> This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story being told in the plot. But here's the thing. You know, as followers of Jesus, we want to engage with story in a way that's very thoughtful. So the question is, whose story is being told, not in terms of character or mm-hmm. plot, but what story about the world is being told? Yeah. What is it saying about our world, about reality, about... Because... You know, my thought about watching movies is that a movie is like a parable. And Jesus said, uh, when he would tell a story, when he would um, tell his parables, he would say this. He would say, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who purchased a pearl of great price, right? So what he's doing is he's telling a story that reflects the reality of life in the kingdom of God. It was a story that was true. Even though it's fiction, it was still true. It said something true about Jesus' world. And in the same way, movies do that. Even if they don't do a good job at it, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to say something true. Mm. So uh, Rings of Power, whose story is being told? What did it say? Yeah, that I feel like was the base of a lot of the controversy that we've been seeing of this whole it's too black and white. It's too archetypal. Like, I don't want this world where it's just good versus evil. That's not complicated enough. But then in reality, that is what we live. We live in a world of black and whites, of good and evil. Right, and we're sort of in the gray between. Yeah, totally. At least that's how the Bible speaks. Right, exactly. Here's a quote. Time Magazine says, uh, this was not an especially imaginative show beyond its central role in J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth lore, the binary of righteous light battling it out against evil darkness permeates Western storytelling from the Judeo-Christian Bible to Star Wars. And this review was like, eh, shows so-so. And the, 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 the headline of the review is Rings of Power is filled with beautiful images and tired archetypes. That's crazy. 
But their point is that it was too black and white. Yeah. Evil is this, good is this. How dare you? Mm-hmm. The world we live in is so much more complicated. It's not exploring the possibility of an orc being the good guy. Yeah. You know? I'm just, it's like, <laughs> we ain't had nothing but maggoty bread and, you know, my back hurts. <laughs> He's like, I'm just so misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my dad didn't love me. Yeah. My dad didn't love me either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. It was kind of just terrible. (laughs) It's kind of just how, how would you, why would you do that? I guess. Why would you fill it with gray characters? I guess. Why would you want um, something like that when it clearly is a story of good and evil? I know it's, I agree. It's, uh, I think the reviewer says that you read it in the quote. It says it permeates the Middle Earth lore. Yeah. The binary of how, light and dark permeates Middle Earth. So, in essence, they're saying it was too faithful to Tolkien. It was too much like Lord of the Rings, honestly. That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, which as fans awesome. of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's writing, you're like, that's what we want. That's what we want. I, we I don't want, want that plight of good versus evil. I don't want... Middle Earth stuff to feel like Better Call Saul. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like the slow degradation of character, which, by the way, is one of the best shows I've ever watched. Yeah. So it's not about what is good and what is bad. I think Better Call Saul is top five of all time in my mind. Part of the use of Lord of the Rings in its storytelling uh, is that it is archetypal. Yes. It's, Mm -hmm. It's doing that. It's painting broad strokes about reality. So being archetypal is kind of the whole point. That's the whole point. So when, the, and that was the worry, I guess. Amazon's making this thing. It's going to be, I don't know. I, I like things that are archetypal. I'm a simple guy. Well, okay. So there's controversy on both sides. This reviewer says it's too black and white, too good versus evil, too much archetypes. But, but other people in the YouTube world and some friends of ours are saying, oh, in Am- real conservative Amazon Christianity, is- they're saying it's too woke. Mm-hmm. Don't watch they're it. They're going to destroy the archetypes. They're going to tear down what Tolkien built. They're going to tarnish his legacy and yeah. stuff like that. That's what they're worried about. I didn't get that. Yeah, I didn't get that either, which I think just leads to don't just read what you see on the internet and take that as fact. I think you should have your own thought and your own opinion on it. So as a Christian, we go, we watch it, and we can decide for ourselves. Yeah, because even is if this it's too like, woke or is this too archetypal? If that's even if it's like overtly it. demonic, right? You're still like, you have an opinion on that. You, you can say, oh, then that's evil. It's not mm-hmm. like glorifying evil. It's not yeah. bad. Okay, so the credits hit, and I was like, dang, that was amazing. Oh my god! I just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't peg any any which way. I I was so proud that they kept it so true from the music to the, like, the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the CG was a little overwhelming, but meh. it was like, there were some shots that I was like, ew, ew, you know, it looked like Lord of the Rings. It just, it did the thing. It did it so well. So I get what they're saying. It's too archetypal. Sure. I mean, I thought that was amazing, but I don't understand how, People could say one is too woke. I don't know really uh, what so that means. So here's where that comes from. Yeah. Why is that bad? What's happening there? Well, let's talk about where that came from because this show has been plagued with controversy for a year now because of Amazon's marketing has missed the mark on showing how Tolkien, what Tolkien is like. Like 
he, he proudly um, wrote stories in the vein of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 in fact, interviews with him, uh, he fought in World War I. And World War I was the first war where uh, machine guns and um, tanks were used, yeah. right? So Tolkien actually wrote about this in his letters that it was the first battle where uh, you were killing people with bombs. Bombs would be another mm. one. You were killing people with planes, tanks, machine guns. So everyone you're killing is a mile away, and you're disconnected from who they are. Yeah. Whereas like every battle before that was like swords and rifles yeah, you that you can't had to reload. Put a right? face. Exactly. To this. He 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 lamented that this war that he fought in. Um, it would probably be like the first notice, people noticing about PTSD and the horrors of war mm. because you were killing people, but you didn't see them. Mm-hmm. And it felt impersonal. Yeah. And it felt like people were deciding the fates of their enemies behind closed doors mm-hmm. in meetings. So you'd like meet with your generals and say, yeah, let's wipe out this city. And it's like he lamented the, the grayness of it, mm-hmm. that it was no longer... Uh, you know, the British and the Americans on a field all looking each other in the eyes. Yeah. And because of that, World War I had way more casualties, right, mm. than previous wars. And so he, when he wrote Lord of the Rings, he, it, was, it was to recapture the black and whiteness of, of something, to have something certain where your enemy was a twisted, jacked up monster rather than a young man who looks exactly like so him. he he was writing it in response to something exactly so the war made it so yeah maybe it was it was gray if you're on that side you're the good guy if you're on this side you're the good guy yeah mm-hmm. so this is saying there's a good and evil i mean obviously he believed in jesus and the yeah. story of scripture is that there's good and evil and that good wins in the end and the story of scripture is that the evil is not if you trace the evil, you don't trace it back to the person. You trace it behind the person mm-hmm. to the powers of darkness. Yeah. That's what Paul is saying in Galatians, or, uh, sorry, Ephesians 6. He says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? Like those, those fellow human beings who are hurting you, that's not the real war. Yeah. The real war is, he says, the powers and principalities behind them. Satan, the domain of darkness, sin, stuff. So when you believe that, when you hold to cosmic evil, like Tolkien does and like the Bible does, it allows you to see people in your, in your world, maybe even people who are really unjust mm-hmm. and wicked people, but you, you, you're allowed to see them as humans who are deceived into sin and deceived into evil rather than the source of evil, gotcha. which allows so- them to become your mission field rather than your enemy. Okay, back to the Lord of the Rings. So we got, uh, what's his name? Bad guy, big bad guy, big Sauron. baddie? Sauron. Sauron. So which was? Morgoth. Morgoth. And or Sauron. Okay, so he's big bad guy. Everyone else he's is defeated. Being... Yeah, he's chained in the gloom right now. But then he's got all these people that are deceived, part of his yes. team. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to hit, we're, good is trying to kill him. Okay, so going back to the question then, how, what's, the, what's our threat uh, people are saying it's there that maybe that the black and whiteness is crumbling. Okay. The controversy around yeah. it being too. Well, so the the worry is that p- 
peop- that the creators took the character of Galadriel, who, if you remember from the Lord of the Rings movies and from the books, she's this beautiful elf maiden. She's as tall as a man, so she's like 6'5", I think she is supposed to be. And so she's supposed to be this like gorgeous, like force to be reckoned with. She's like, she can see the future. She can communicate with people across the land through telepathy. I mean, she's like super powerful. And you see that in when Frodo and her talk at the mirror of Galadriel. Yes, you are. (laughs) Just, what will I see? (laughs) So you, you have this glimpse of her as a powerful sorceress. But she is sort of this like, in you might say like this, uh, this like pillar of femininity, mm-hmm. right? And so the worry on <laughs> to some people is that Amazon is trying to like tear down the archetypes and ruin her character and turn her into like a a, a, f- a feminist warrior queen mm-hmm. who just like battles like a man. To which, hmm. I just go, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Yeah. First of all, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. So, second of all, um, Tolkien's writings are jam-packed with that. Eowyn, right? Yeah. She Eowyn is that. killed the Witch King. She and killed only the witch she king. could. I am no man. You know? I mean, that's like part of Tolkien's thing. Yeah. And not only that, but when you go to this book, Unfinished Tales, and you read about the character of Galadriel, uh, she, she's a sorceress queen of Lothlorien in the Third Age, but in the Second Age, she is a bitter warrior queen who's on the hunt for evil. Like, she's that is who she complete is. unrest while evil is afoot. Yes. Sorry, that's where this show is taking place? Yeah, so there... Yeah. The creators have pulled, remember, the, the creators have pulled material not from Lord of the Rings, but from the other lore, mm-hmm. right? So here's a quote, all right? So um, Galadriel says, Nay, Angrod, that's her brother, and Egnor is gone, that's her other brother, and Felagund, that's the brother that's in this show. Felagund is no more. Of Finnerfin's children, I am the last, but my heart is still proud. What wrong did the golden house of Finnerfin do that I should ask the pardon of the Valar to be content with an isle in the sea whose native land was Amon the blessed? Here I am mightier. And then she, uh, Tolkien says this about her. He says, she, Galadriel, was the last survivor of the princes and queens who had led the revolting Noldor to exile in Middle-earth. She proudly rejected the pardon of the Valar and a ban was set upon her return. Okay, so yet again, the wokest thing about this is that it was too true to Tolkien. Exactly. Tolkien was always put his characters um, in the, the kind of the direst circumstances where they had to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she was um, strong. She was scary. She was intense. Uh, she was intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did remind me of uh, her character in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, whichever movie she's in. Fellowship. Fellowship. And, um, sorry. And, uh, noob. But, the, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I didn't get that. Um, do you think it had anything to do with them incorporating, uh, racial diversity in the show? Yeah, I love that. I mean, you can't not. That's, 
you can't not to have an issue with that either which way is like you're saying just so silly yeah what's the point just i don't know people need to calm down about that i thought it was awesome Having what's his name the Harfoot Arondir Ar- oh the Harfoot oh Sadak Burroughs Sadak Burroughs, who was just this like really cool wise black Harfoot, and it wasn't this color of his skin didn't matter to anyone. He was just he existed in the world and yeah, it was awesome. It, it felt again just like more reality. It's yeah. like oh that's the world I see. Mm-hmm. So it it did kind of just match a little more. I guess is what it was. Yeah. Here's a question then. Um, when we when we talk about like movies, stories, content, is there any reason why a Christian should not watch something or give it a shot? Or, you know, we're talking about how to watch Rings of Power, and I think the main controversy is should I even give this show a shot because it looks pretty dumb or I can't believe they did that or the controversy around the characters or around the agenda. Mm-hmm. But, but, should a Christian listen to that and go, well, I guess it's just to this or to that, so I guess I'm not going to watch it? Or is there no reason why a Christian shouldn't just go, well, let me see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me see what it is. So there's two yeah. things here that I think there's the, should this info be in my head? Should I really be taking this in and considering this? The answer to that is easy, yes. But then there's the, should I show this to my five-year-old? The answer is no. Right? So it's too scary. It is too yeah. scary. I, I, there was a few times, I'm sure PJ saw me, I was, it was cold, so my arms were in my shirt. But then there was parts where I was kind of freaked. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't... Um, yeah. What do you guys think? It wasn't, it wasn't content that you shouldn't put in your head. It's not something to be afraid of or to veer away from. No, especially if on like a, a standpoint of appreciating art... Because it was the the show itself was so beautifully shot, so wonderfully acted. The CGI was a little iffy here and there, but it's a show. But it's a show. So it's TV, yeah, TV forgivable. Show. But just appreciating art for art's sake, like to me, is awesome. Like as a Christian, I love art. I love movies. I love TV shows. I love music. I love all these things. And I think that it's okay to appreciate art in that way, but you just have, there's like context behind it. Like, should you show this to your children? Probably not. It's too scary. Is this scene of all these people, not that this show has any uh, like crazy sex scenes or anything like that, but like if that is something that really affects you as a Christian, maybe don't watch that. That's why I don't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's all, it's contextual, right? But I think that we can't just be told what to think about art. That is to be something that... That's true. I, I, I agree with that. That's so good because, because as a Christian, you know, um, in fact, going back to Tolkien, he described art as he called it sub-creating, mm-hmm. that yeah. we are products of creation and everything we create is what he called sub-creation. So we are taking the raw material that God the creator made and we are assembling it into our own creation. Mm-hmm. That's what he called Middle Earth. He said it's a sub-creation. I'm just doing what my creator did. Yeah. And so in the same way, when you see some, when there's a piece of art, uh, artwork, whether it's um, 
you know, Rings of Power or Better Call Saul or Spider-Man or the MCU or whatever, you can look at it and go, a human being created in the, in the image of God made this mm -hmm. as a sub-creator. Totally. He or she fashioned something. What is that thing? Is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? Does it speak about the goodness of God? Could you say, like, like Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Does that story line up with that? Like, is that story, is this show or this novel or this movie, is it, is it saying something that's in line? Yeah, it's the same thing with like, we're at church on Sunday and you say something from the pulpit. Am I supposed to just take that as fact or do I look into that myself and right. find out the truth myself? What does the word say? Yes, exactly. Okay, so even yeah. to that, there's this question of, is it too dark? And uh, I don't know, even going from the sermon thing, like if you said something that on a Sunday about some horrific thing that happened, you shouldn't be saying that from stage. Is what some people would say, that's too dark. Does that speak to like... How should we take in things that are too dark? Evil. Or do we have, do we have a, is Christianity too full of only sunlight, only good, happy things? Sad things are bad. Do we have the depth that can really take in something evil and say, that's evil, instead of go, ah, you know, I can't watch that? Yeah, I think that, I think that um, it's a unique question, unique to visual storytelling. Mm -hmm. Right, so when you're watching a show or a movie, you're watching it. Uh, but when you read the story of Samson and Delilah, which is jam-packed with murder, adultery, betrayal, and all you know, all kinds of like foul behavior, uh, you read it, it, it's like, well, you know, no one is concerned yeah. with it. It's just however, a medium. however, I haven't seen that story in my kids' Bible. So there is even then yeah. a concern mm -hmm. that this biblical content is inappropriate for my kids, which is why we read the actual Bible yeah. to our kids, because I want them hearing about all that totally. stuff. Yeah. God put it in there. Yeah. So, but, but when you get into visual storytelling, you're getting into like different questions. Should I look upon this stuff? Mm -hmm. Should I see it? Should I consume it? And I would say that the kind of the, the default answer is any sub-creation by a human being should be able to be seen by another human being. Mm -hmm. Like no Christian sh should, should just outlaw all art uh, or, or a piece of art or a work yeah. of art. It needs to be analyzed. It needs to be seen. It needs to be engaged with. Even if the answer is rejected. Even if the answer is rejected. Mm -hmm. I, I've, my kids have said, I want to watch this show and I will, give, I will give it a viewing. And I will go, you know what? This is rated G, but... What it says about life in the kingdom of God is utterly false. We're thinking on a different level here. What do I, what do I want to, it's not what do I want to show my kids, what do I want to teach my kids exactly. about life. It's, that's yeah. why I ask the question, whose story is being told? Is this story true in the sense that it reveals something real? Yeah. yeah. So, so far, two episodes in. parallel the reality of a follower of Jesus? Yes. What are we learning? Right. Two episodes in, what's, what? What is it casting out? What is it teaching? Uh, I think what Rings of Power is revealing to is that it's okay to write a story with archetypes of good versus evil and good triumphing over evil because that does, like we said, parallel our reality and what we believe. 
And I do want to show that to my children because that is what I believe to be true. And I think that's awesome. Whereas you can find this exact parallel in so many other movies, Mm -hmm. which so many people talk about already. And that's awesome. And I think as Christians, as we watch these movies, that is something that even subconsciously I'm always looking for. And if I don't find that, does that mean I don't like it? Not necessarily, but that's something that I'm not going to accept as truth in my own life. Yeah, and I think this will be something we talk about uh, in other movies. As an example, is some movies deliberately say something untrue, mm-hmm. but they do it in such a way that you know they're doing it. It's yeah. what we call an antihero. Right, exactly. An antihero is something like Breaking Bad, right? Walter White is evil. He's falling evil. That's the point of the show. Mm. And the whole point of the show is not to watch it and go, oh, yeah, cooking meth is awesome. Mm -hmm. The point of the show is to go, oh, this is a warning about how easy it is to fall. The question is what's being celebrated. If the evil is there, so we got evil and rings of power. It's evil. Everyone knows it's evil. Then we have evil and other things. But it's kind of like thumbs up, celebrated. I'm okay showing my kids, you know, later on, um, something that's that has dark evil and evil yeah. because I'm showing them that's evil. Exactly. Bad. That's yeah, right. Totally. It is interesting too being able to get behind a character like Galadriel who is so clearly full of good and justice and you're like, yes, I want to back that up. That's awesome. But then you watch like Breaking Bad and you, it is this gray area where you are still rooting for this main character because his root problem is this, uh, this threat to his family and how he's going to care for them. And that inherently the heart of that character you can get behind and his methods of doing that is what you can't get behind. Right. But But then in the show, he crosses a line where the threat has been vanquished. His family is provided for mm -hmm. him, but he keeps going. And then he crosses the line and then it gets dangerous. And then you're like, Whoa, well, it's because he just became the evil guy. Yeah. Yeah. In the very end. He's the one to be feared. I think that what Interesting. I think what Rings of Power also is showing is is something that's very metaphorical because in Tolkien there is the light and the dark, mm-hmm. which is very very biblical. Well, it's Hebrew actually. It's a very Hebrew idea, the light and the dark, which is a great metaphor because dark is not the opposite of light; it's the absence of light. Whereas like white and black, yin and yang. That's a very Eastern idea where one is the opposite of the other. The he- and so you need to have them in balance. That's the worldview of Star Wars, right? The kind of the, the overarching plot of the show is evil is not yet vanquished. We have to be vigilant and keep going to make sure that we do not allow it to creep in, which similar to the, the, the Old Testament is like this reoccurring theme in each age of Middle Earth you have in the first age, Morgoth and Sauron rise, but, but when they're defeated, they don't, that's the point, is that Sauron rises to power because they stopped pursuing him. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's the difference between evil exists and we must vanquish it as opposed to evil exists and we must seek it out, find it and vanquish it. Yeah. And then in the third age, similar things happen where people like Boromir, uh, think, well, how about we use this ring mm-hmm. for, to, uh, mm. for our purpose, which is not possible. It'll corrupt you. Yeah. So it's, just, it's such great imagery mm. of how we wrestle with 
evil. It's very, very metaphorical. Yeah, and that's extremely too, archetypal. That too is a character you can get behind who then crosses a line because absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And we see that so much in storytelling. And so in that in that way, you can watch it and go like, like whose story is being told? It's this story of good versus evil. Am I aligned more with Galadriel? Am I fiercely dedicated to eradicating evil in mm-hmm. my life, in, in my community? Am I like that? And if I am, am I a jerk about it? Because she's yeah. kind of a jerk about it. Yeah, like right? cutting off friendship ties and yeah. everything. She'll yeah. do whatever it takes. Or are you like the Hobbit characters that just simply distance themselves? Mm-hmm. Hide from feast, it. Yeah. Hide from it. Mm-hmm. Ignorance um, is bliss. Or are you kind of like the, uh, the little boy? What's his name? Theo. Theo. Uh, curious, curious about it. Hiding, finds a sword, hides it under the floorboards like a playboy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. His blood creeping that, towards that the scene sword. Was so cool. That scene was so what orc was freaky? Yeah, that was scary. Yeah, for real. I I really enjoyed that. I mm-hmm. I was thoroughly scared. I get scared easy, um, but I was excited that I was scared by it. I thought that was fun. It was good. It was making uh, evil exactly what it should have been. Totally terrifying. And, powerful. Uh, and powerful. Yeah. 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 Guys, this is so good. Last question before we go. PJ, how are you watching Rings of Power as a Christian? Well, I'm watching it with a very stoked and excited attitude because I went in with very low expectations really? because yeah. honestly I did feed into the media a little bit. I read some Reddit the reviews. Yeah. The, the I read on the YouTube. wokeness, the archetypes. Yeah. It, it got to me a little bit. It made you go, Ugh. yeah. Cause yeah. it was also, it was teetering on weird subjects that I thought had nothing to do with what I want it to be. Anyway, all that to be said is I loved it. And I think I will continue to love all five seasons of yes. it. And I can't wait to see how they get to the last alliance of yes. men and elves. Yes. I am so excited about all of that. And I love, like we talked about, the parallels that we see. And you can see also, you see Tolkien's, it's, it's interesting because it's like Tolkien is an outward, outright Christian man. And this is made by a very non-Christian production company Mm -hmm. but to stay true to Tolkien's writings you have to portray the gospel that Tolkien was referring to there's a line that Kella Brimbor says to Elrond he says true creation is sacrifice did you catch that yeah so good totally that was intense so a non you you don't write that line yeah without some respect totally for the professor Yeah. yeah And there, there are so many elements of the gospel just in the lines and script of this movie that people will hear. And it does allude, I believe, to Christ yes. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah I think I agree. I'm, I'm, six months ago, I saw some of Amazon's marketing and I was like, oh, Lord, please, God, no. What have they done? <laughs> right? But then other details started coming out and I was like, okay. And then the soundtrack came out two weeks ago and that's been on repeat bear mccreary bear mccreary soundtrack oh my gosh wall-to-wall well bangers done yeah. well so done. good wall-to-wall hits so good so i i think for me i'm watching it um with just a desire to 
you know, it, it has captured my ninth grade love for Middle Earth. When I first heard that they were making a Lord of the Rings, I was in ninth grade, and I had read the books, and I was so thrilled. And I remember watching Fellowship of the Ring for the first time at midnight and going, I did not like that at all. Um, but then the sick, by the sixth time, I saw it in theater six times, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, no, this is the best movie ever made. Yeah. But, but, uh, but what I did love immediately was the portrayal of things that had only existed in my imagination. Mm-hmm. Totally. And this one is it's the same thing. It's like Casa Doom, Arabian, Ar- um, oh, and uh, Valinor. Whoa, the two trees of Valinor. Whoa. Yeah. It was like out of Elden Ring, you know, it was so epic. Yeah, so much of the imagery was exactly how I pictured it reading it as a kid. Yeah. And that just struck a chord with me. I'm not super uh, hopeful for the rest of it. Um, I just don't know. I'm Maybe it's I'm a little pessimistic or um, cynical, but this one I'm really excited about. It's going to be really good. It's going to be really fun uh, figuring out who not possibly Gandalf is and um, exploring more of um, the dwarves place. What's that place called? Casa Doom. Casa Doom. I just, all of it. It's just so cool. It's, um, it's gonna change this next season of life because it's going to become our weekly watch. It's going to be fun. Awesome. So that's how we watched Rings of Power episodes one and two. We are Pacific Parable and uh, see you at church.